Burton on Trent in England holds one of the strangest unsolved murders in history. It's so weird, it's even known by a bizarre name. Fred the Head. A man was found buried in a shallow grave in 1971 with a variety of unique identifying characteristics. But for 50 years, police have been unable to identify who Fred really is or who committed his murder. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Killing Miss and Hidden, the podcast that just keeps on giving. I'm your ruthless overlord, Brad, former criminal defense attorney and now government stooge. I pick the cases, I do the research, and now I do the talkings to you. We're so very glad to have you visiting with us again today. Now, before we begin, remember we got a lot going on this here August, Okay. We're looking for 50 patrons to make our pad- podcast kind of, you know, look like a real podcast and not, you know, the joke that it sometimes appears to be. And if we can get to 50, like I've said, we'll start doing some road shows. We are still receiving submissions for our flash fiction contest. Remember, scary story, 729 words or less. It's fewer, right? 729 words or fewer, I think, is grammatically correct. Uh, And you got to email it to me on or before August 17th. That is next week. Email address is info at kmhpodcast.com. You should know that already. Info at kmhpodcast.com. Enter today. You could, whichever story is my favorite, wins this big old box of spooky, scary type stuff. There's books in there. There's a board game, lots of other swag. It's really cool. It's an awesome box. I may, frankly, just decide that nobody's worthy of it so I can keep it all. Now, I I wouldn't do that. I like to think of myself as better than that. So did I give a shout out to listener Melissa for joining our Patreon crew in the last episode? I don't. I don't remember, but let's do it again, just to make sure. Yay to Melissa for purchasing enlightenment from our totally legit cult. Uh, Cult, not not cult. Patreon. Patreon, not cult. You rock, Melissa. Anytime you need a reference for a future job application, I got your back, okay? So, this episode's a little on the short side because my life was kind of put on hold, turned upside down, as the Fresh Prince may say. Uh, for a whopping five days while I dealt with some mental health issues. I don't say that for pity. I kind of just say it because it's like a thing that people deal with and nobody wants to talk about it. But that's okay. Um, it kind of works out because as weird as this case is and as excited I was to do it, there's just not a ton of information out there on it. You know, so, all right. Anyway, enough chatter. Let's get the show on the road so you can see how little information I can find. So Fred the Head, it's an unsolved murder in merry old England. A man was found in a shallow grave in Burton-on-Trent in Staffordshire on March 27th, 1971. Burton-on-Trent, or apparently just Burton, is roughly kind of in the north-central part of England. Of the bigger cities in the area, it's not far from Birmingham, England. If you're a dumb American like me, maybe this will help you understand the setting a bit better. 
Maybe not. But anyway, the man was found uh, in the shallow grave, naked, but for one sock. Some, some articles say two socks. I'm going to go with one sock. It's more colorful. And he had his wrists and ankles bound, and he was kind of in the fetal position. Several stories said that he was kneeling down in the fetal position. He was wearing a wedding ring, and his body was discovered by an off-duty special constable. The condition of the body hinted at the fact that it may have been in this shallow grave for years, perhaps even decades. In other words, the body was pretty badly decomposed. Spoiler alert, they later discovered through forensic testing that only been there maybe six months, possibly 12. But regardless, now there was some initial debate as to whether the body was that of a man or a woman, which should give you a rough idea of the stature of this body, right? So, I mean, obviously, it was determined to be a man. Otherwise, Fred doesn't make a lot of sense for a name. But he was slight. He stood roughly five foot seven. That's 172 centimeters. I like to sound cultured. He had unusually small hands. The sock he was wearing was pink with a yellow heel. And the wedding ring, it was a gold woman's wedding ring. And he wore it on his right hand, not his left. All weird stuff there, right? Okay, now the location of the body is weird as well. Because it's really not that far off of a pretty well-traveled road in the area. But somehow this location is also really difficult to get to. So the most common way one would get there would take this kind of footbridge that led from a local flint mill down past the area. But this was on private property, and they would close that bridge every evening, and it would be locked at both ends. So it's not something you could really strut down while carrying a dead body, right? The second path involved more of a hike. You were going through this rougher, almost forested type terrain uh, that eventually led you to this road. And that's where the body was found. Now, having said all that, that's how the newspapers report this area. The constable who found the body was just walking his dog. So I, I, was it really that rough and steep a hike? I don't know. Just, just putting that out there so you'll have all the information I have. The cause of death never could be determined. For a spell, examiners determined that there was severe damage to the base of the skull, suggesting that the man underwent some sort of significant blunt force trauma on the neck, the bottom of the head, somewhere in there. But a more recent review of the injuries found this conclusion to be flawed. The body also had some unusual distinguishing characteristics. Uh, this man had a neck condition that would cause his head to kind of tilt to the right. He, he didn't have much control over that. Just walking down the street, he would just naturally tilt his head to the right. The man had also undergone significant dental surgery, including a partial upper denture, which was likely no more than six months old at the time of his death. That wedding ring that I've now mentioned for a third time, it's kind of unique. It came from a jewelry shop in Birmingham, England, 
and they only made 5,000 of them. So we've got all these unique little bits floating around, right? So it should be easy to identify this dude. Yet no one's been able to for 50 years. With the advent of DNA, or the embracement of DNA, I don't know what the proper way to say that is. I'm trying to sound smart, and I should know better. Uh, multiple DNA tests have been run on suspected family members, folks who had people who went missing during the same time frame, but no matches have ever been made. Even a genealogical DNA bit of research has been done on Fred's DNA. Can't find any relatives whatsoever. Now, there's this professor by the name of Caroline Wilson who works over at Liverpool University. And this lady is like the boss when it comes to facial reconstruction. Like, she's a living... Picasso's not the right word because of his style. But, you know, someone famous. Some artist that did a lot of really good realistic stuff. So she created, I think it was in 2006, although the articles were a little fuzzy, but Professor Wilson got Fred the head and was able to create a facial reconstruction of this man. And of course, she, I mean, she did a wonderful job with it. It doesn't look like some horrible monstrosity ape man that you see a lot of times. But no, I mean, it looks like a legitimate dude. Um He's, she did multiple pictures of him somewhere. He's wearing glasses somewhere. He has a mustache somewhere. He has long hair trying to give the public a sense of what this guy would look like in real life. These were all distributed to the public throughout the media, all newspapers, all through the press, you know, all that. And no one came forward able to identify him. So a quick recap, right? We've got the smallish dude buried in an odd color sock wearing a woman's wedding ring on the wrong hand with an odd neck issue. He had recently suffered through some dental work and no one can identify him. Again, this seems like this should be easy. There's all these unique factors here, but nope. Now police are still working on this case even though it's 50 years old. It's one of those that's, I think it's just stuck in their crawl and they just have to solve it, which I get, you know, it would drive me crazy too to have all these unique characteristics and not be able to close the case. So, but even though police are working, all they've really been successful at is eliminating potential relatives and eliminating potential identities for Fred. Oh, and you know, I, I'm certain you're asking a, a question that we haven't gotten to yet, but needs to be addressed. How did he get the name Fred the Head? Is this just Brad being stupid again? No, no, for once it's not my fault. We can blame the British again. It's uh, specifically that cheeky British, British media, for one. When the body was originally found, police announced to the media that they had discovered a skull and part of an upper torso. Of course, the body would eventually be uncovered, but the media gave the skull a fun name, and it's just stuck to this poor dead man ever since. Fred the Head. All right, now obviously there's been many, 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 many theories about 
who the killer of this man was. Now, the most popular theory by far that well, is that this man was the first, or at least one of the first victims of a serial killer by the name of Anthony Hardy, who really needs his own episode. Now, one of Hardy's quirks was he was known to dress his victims in odd socks. Specifically, <laughs> I love this name. I think the brand name was Mr. Men, Mr. Happy Socks. I don't know what those are, but I sound like I need a pair of three. I don't know if this was the brand that Fred was wearing, but, I mean, obviously I had to include this because it's, it's such a cool little detail, right? Hardy was also from this area. He grew up there. He knew his way around there. And he is thought to therefore know the easiest ways to get to Fred's burial spot. Now, the main problem with this theory, well, there's several problems with this theory that, in my opinion, that I found. First of all, Hardy is known to have exclusively preyed on young women, which then brings up the question of, are we really certain that Fred's a male? There's lots of people in the public who don't buy this. They strongly believe Fred is not actually a man. And I'm thinking they take that stance because if we do change his gender, then it helps a lot of pieces fall into place. It explains a lot of why he hasn't been identified and all that. But the problem is the police have tested in a variety of ways, and they are 100% certain that Fred is a man. You may hear people talking about, well, is Fred really a woman? There's no evidence supporting that that I could find other than the typical Reddit, Facebook-type speculation. Another problem with pointing to Anthony Hardy, and I say this, and I say it knowing that I just have to be wrong. Like, I just have to be wrong about this fact. But this is what I kept finding when I do, would do research. Apparently, Hardy's first confirmed kill wasn't until the 2000s. In fact, there was no indications of him being an oddball until the maybe the mid-80s. He started displaying some rather aggressive and rather psychotic tendencies. So this is a big timing problem for saying that Hardy is the is the uh, murderer of Fred the Head here. Um, number one, Fred's not a woman, and number two, Hardy didn't get to killing in for another three decades. I don't know what where these theories come from, but they are consistent over the internet, and that's why I'm sitting here saying I got to be wrong. There can't be this many people in the world saying that Hardy did it when I, everything I read about the dude says he was active in the 2000s, right? It's got to be me. But that's, I mean, you can check my sources. They'll be in the show notes. Please prove me wrong. Now, a few detectives have really been working on a theory that there were two men involved in this murder. They don't really see how one man could drag a body to the spot where Fred was buried, uh, 
due to the absolute difficulty of the terrain. And then, of course, spend the time burying him, being so close to a major road, without being detected. A few detectives even believe that the reason Fred can't be identified is because he wasn't from this area. The reason that it's impossible for no one in the community to be able to identify Fred, considering all the unique identifying characteristics he possessed, can only be that he's never really been there before. Further kind of supporting this theory, his wedding ring being on the wrong finger, I'm not obsessed with this, it just keeps coming up. Um, is actually how men in certain European countries like Denmark and Portugal traditionally wear their wedding ring. Now, I would think that DNA could help kind of narrow down where Fred is from. You know, if he grew up in England, if he grew up in Spain, if he grew up in Iceland, wherever. But there are these detectives that really buy into the idea that he was a tourist and just got chopped down for whatever reason. Now to our best bit of evidence, okay? Listen carefully. Don't, don't go into your office yet. If you're at work, shut your door. Okay, so there's this fellow named Ian Griffiths, and he is a psychic slash medium. So we need to take what he says very seriously. And he claims that he's spoken to the real Fred. Don't know where, don't know how, but he's done it, okay? He claims that Fred's real name isn't Fred, disappointingly. It's actually Alan. And that Alan said to Ian he was murdered by the boyfriend of a woman he was seeing illicitly. The man stabbed Alan to death. Alan apparently has a Scottish accent and had been living in England for only three months before he got caught up in this mess and was murdered. So that's it, right? Case solved. We're good to go. Let's find something else to do. All right, quick commercial break. I'm serious about the Patreon thing, guys, and the writing contest. Go do it. All right. So analysis... It's a head-scratcher. I mean, this one really is difficult to work through. We don't have a ton of facts, maybe because they're not there, maybe because I'm a terrible researcher, or maybe I just didn't have enough time to research. But uh, Old Fred presents an interesting case. I found a ton of articles about this dude. I mean, there are articles upon articles upon articles that I read. But I didn't find a lot of information. A lot of the articles just regurgitated the same facts over and over and over. Again, all this unique information about the victim and no one can identify him. It's just curious to me. It's very curious. So what do I think? All right. Well, I, I do. <laughs> I hate to say it this way. I do agree with the psychic. Uh, I don't think Fred was a local. I mean, all of that dental work, okay? And I don't know how it was. It's just constantly described as extensive. But police would have, I assume, gone and spoken to the local dentist and said, hey, have you performed any, you know, any 
any creating dentures for a fella in the past six to nine months. And that should have been able to at least give the police kind of a list to work from. The dentist doesn't have to remember, you know, what every patient looked like necessarily, but he should be able to, or she, I'm being sexist, I apologize. The dentist should be able to go through his or her records and pull up that information and, you know, tell the police, well, look, here's four that I did, or here's seven that I did. You get that all that together, you go check it out, you can start doing some real police work there. And this this fact is just a huge, huge, huge stumbling block to me. I can't get past the idea that somebody would have all this mouth work done and we can't find a dentist who said, yeah, I did that work. I know who this patient is. It's just too easy. Cops could have saw, done this in, you know, a couple weeks time, even if they expanded their search out to the bigger cities like Birmingham and whatnot, it would have taken more footwork. It would have taken longer, but it's an easy way to get a list of potential identifier, a, a potential list of, you know, people who were Fred. It's also crazy to me where Fred was buried. All right. Let's, Let's assume that it is a hike to get to the spot. Again, I don't know. And again, we have the constable walking his dog there. So I don't know if that fact's true, but let's assume that all the articles are right. Why is that the place where you bury a body? Why such a difficult choice? I get it on the one hand in that well, if it's difficult for you to hike up there, it's going to be difficult for other people to hike up there. But you've got that footbridge that's unlocked during the day that people use that's going to pass by there anyway. So it's not secluded. It's just a pain in the butt to get to at, during the nighttime because they got that bridge closed. And imagine having to move the body on this hike. I mean, have you ever tried to pick up someone who's unconscious? <laughs> it's a pain in the butt. Now try doing that across a hiking trail under the cover of darkness. It doesn't matter the length. You know, a mile, a couple kilometers, whatever. It's going to be exhausting, especially on uneven terrain, especially when you've got to carry tools with you to bury the guy. It's odd. It's just very odd, okay? And I would think, you know, doing so would kill you. I just, I'm not a doctor, but I'm certain if you tried to carry a body and all those tools through this treacherous path, your heart would explode. So you're going to need a murder buddy if you're just married to burying the body in the spot. Or you need to force the victim to walk to his grave. But if you're going to march your victim to his grave, why strip him mostly naked, but for the sock? And why tie him up? If you're going to kill him, kill him. 
Those are unnecessary steps to take. He was being restrained for a reason. And to be to be tied up in that condition and in that position suggests to me he was transported to the burial site via some sort of automobile. But again, I don't know where a parking lot would be that's close. It again, when I read it, there's just it's it's just black and white. You're either taking that footbridge or you're hiking up a nasty little hill. Either way, it's a pain in the butt. So why do it that way? On this point, let's do a quick pop quiz. Who is your murder buddy? Okay, if you haven't named one by now, you need to go find one because you never know when you'll need to hide a body. We all need a murder buddy. All right, and here's, this is just me totally speculating. There's no facts supporting this. It's Brad just thinking outside the box a little bit. Could Fred have been a cross-dresser of some sort? We have no clothes on the body except for this pink sock and what everybody describes as a woman's wedding ring. Maybe Fred was wearing what he likes, is out on the town, picks up a boy, they get a little frisky, the boy discovers that he's got more than he bargained for and reacts poorly. I mean, remember we've got folks that today are still debating whether or not Fred was male or female. (laughs) And I have zero proof. Like I said, I think it's an interesting theory, though. And if we're going to discuss what a psychic talked about, why can't we just entertain my baseless ideas, too? Okay. now let's talk about the condition of Fred's body. No evidence on how he died, which rules out a lot of forms of death. You know, there's no massive blunt force trauma here. He likely was not shot since no bones were shattered in such a way. Um, You know, probably wasn't hit with an axe or any sort of heavy weapon that would lead to the risk of fracturing, you know, a rib or, or what have you. So really what I see as the likely forms of death would be just off the top of my head. I, I didn't spend days coming up with this list, but we're looking at things like, you know, poison, strangulation, you know, maybe a neck slashing, an ice pick to the ear, fun options like that. Now, since Fred was tied up in nude, I think we take poison off the table. There's no reason to do all that if you've poisoned him. The nudity makes me think that it was probably a messy death, that he was probably covered in blood. And in the course of transporting the body, the killer didn't want to get blood on his vehicle or on his clothes or even at the burial scene. So that makes me think the stabbing side of things seems likely. Did he get the old Colombian necktie maybe? We don't really know since we only have bones. But I do think it's going, I mean, of the soft tissue injuries that kill, there's not, and I'm not a medical examiner, I'm not, you know, any sort of forensic pathologist, but to the best of my knowledge, there's not just a laundry list of them. You know, we're a little limited in what we can pick. 
So with that being said, that's about all the genius I can dump into the story. It seems like Fred is destined to be one of those cases school kids read about in the weird of the world types of books. Like some of those awesome books you could get at the book fair when you're in elementary school. Do y'all remember that? Did y'all get to do that? Those were like the best days when the book fair would come. I wonder if they do that in the UK or other parts of the world. I, I, I don't know. I hope they do. Every child needs to experience that joy and the frustration of having your mom give you $5 and you pick out $6 worth of stuff. All right, all right, all right. Um, now we're going to move on to our world-famous palate cleanser. And here we go. I thought the dryer had been shrinking my clothes. Turns out it was the refrigerator all along. All right, nice cute joke, right? All right, let me let me let me offer a quick confession here. When I first heard when I was given this joke and I first read it, I was like, that guy just has a jerk of a refrigerator. But then I still laughed because I love the idea of this fridge staging a scene to blame the clothes shrinkage on the dryer. Like, I just totally missed the point of the joke. So, see, we provide jokes that even idiots can enjoy. We can, you can bring it down to your level if you're not average. You know, if you've got some sort of significant emotional trauma that keeps you from thinking like a normal person, you can enjoy some of these jokes too. All right. Seriously, guys, um, thank y'all for tuning in as always. I really am counting on everybody who can to step up and join our Patreon. With an audience of our size, we should be able to pull in 50 members with a touch of work. But honestly, we aren't very close. And, you know, this is despite me releasing an episode on Robert the Doll last week. If you've never heard of Robert the Doll, you got to check out that episode. You, you know you want to hear it, too. It's just more Brad in your ear. And, I, and honestly, if you can join our cause, it would just make my entire summer also enter the writing contest this is i polled everybody y'all said you wanted more contests and giveaways so enter have fun with it i'm not expecting anything professional you're not going to be published in something you know that that oxford university is putting out into the world it's just fun spooky stories they don't even have to be true and if you want, you can lie to me and say that they're true. I don't care. I just want to get some good stories in. So y'all got about a week to finish that. And again, that box of stuff, I spent over $100 on it. It's got some good crap in there, I promise. Uh, if you're anything like me, God forbid, you'll enjoy the heck out of it. So, and as if I'm not asking enough of y'all, please continue to listen. Follow us on our Instagram page where we are kmh.podcast. We do do a lot of our stupider stuff there. If you enjoy my stupid style of humor, we've got our Facebook page. You can join that. And then of course, just keep shoving this throat, this show down your friend's throats. Don't ever stop. Hide in their closet and wake them up at 3 a.m. and terrify them until they promise to subscribe. That's how we're going to do this now. We're going to make it a full-blown terror campaign. 
Okay, I'll stop being the desperate friend now. I feel like Teddy's from Bob's Burgers. Please go out and have an awesome week. Please know I really do love you all. I really do appreciate all of y'all. You're a very, very bright spot in my life. So thank you for being here. Thank you for enjoying the podcast. Uh, We'll be back next week with a brand new story, of course. I mean, brand new in that it will be brand new to us as in the podcast. Um, Anyway, go enjoy a nice slice of pie or something that's not good for you but tastes really good. Then maybe take a nice walk, too. Thanks so much for being our friends. We will see you soon. Brad out. Thank you for listening to Killing, Missing, Hidden. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share. Questions? Email us at info at kmhpodcast.com.